Hello, and welcome to the second series of Super Connected Conversations. The first series was the beginning of what has become a long ongoing project for me to explore the relationship between humanity and technology. In this second series, I'm delving deeper to try to understand how that is changing our lives, our behavior, and how it's affecting our mental health. But who better to begin the second series than Gert Leonard. Gert Leonard is an author, a public speaker, a futurist, and someone who specializes in the debate between humanity and technology. Uh, he's really expanded my view in this conversation that you're about to hear. So I hope you find it as interesting and as inspiring as I did. Welcome to Super Connected Conversations. Hi, Gert. How are you? <laughs> I'm great. Thanks very much. Thanks for having uh, me. Thank you so much uh, for joining me for this, um, you know, for this series where I'm, I'm you know, talking to as many uh, learned people as I can about connection and humanity in the digital space. Um, where are you, actually? I'm in Zurich, in my physical space, here in my, in my new streaming studio. And yeah. yeah, Switzerland, and, of course. <laughs> and have you been in Zurich for the whole of the, the pandemic period, all the lockdowns and everything? Well, you know, I used to live in America for a long time. Then I moved back here to Basel, Switzerland, and then to Zurich. And yeah, the whole year, basically, I have not been out on an actual speaking gig since February 22nd in Dubai last year. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah, I've, well, I've done one or two here in Switzerland, but basically it's been completely, you know, pivoting to virtual. And, you know, I now kind of jokingly, I call this keynote television. So I've gone from <laughs> the keynoting on the stage, which is something we have in common, right? The, the stage uh, to doing it virtually. Yeah. Now, uh, this is what's um, exciting for me is that obviously I, I found out about you through the sort of futurist uh side of your work um but then you told me the other day that your background is music too which is great because i really i really am exploring uh the value of sound i think in in the digital space more than mm. anything else at the moment um yeah. so i i just just to get a, a quick idea of your thoughts about let me just for our listeners um and viewers uh, I saw the words humanity and technology in one of your uh, posts, I think, on Twitter, uh, and they leapt out at me in imme immediately because those are the two, the two subjects and how they go together, if they go together, should they go together, um, is, is what I, I thought, oh, I must talk to Gert if, if possible. Just as a, um, an introduction, what's your feeling about where we are with humanity and technology? Yeah, of course, this is uh, the, really the main topic of my work, right, is humanity and technology. My last book was Technology versus Humanity uh, four years ago. It's still very, very much screaming and popular and now out in like 12 languages. So I've looked at this topic in great detail. And basically the last couple of years, it has even been more amplified 
what the what the challenge is and and also what the good thing is right basically technology has the power to fix almost every logical scientific and practical problems you know in our lives basically mm -hmm. so that goes all the way from energy to food to medical to even cancer in the down the road right uh, technology and science hold hold the keys for this and this has been happening very heavily in the last five years so-called digital transformation right and so we're saving a lot of money we're, we're getting faster music is in the cloud uh, films are in the cloud money is in the cloud right but the drawback is that technology has become so powerful that in many ways we are getting lost in like too much of a good thing right so technology is now being used to manipulate us the very same technology that was used to connect us you know social media it's now being used to manipulate us that's kind of like saying you have a nuclear machine a nuclear apparatus that can heat a city with a nuclear power plant or you can make a bomb and so technology has this inherent problem when it gets really powerful we have to control it we have to make rules mm. and we have to find balances and that is the moment that we're in right now and balances and uh, regulation and all those um, healthy ways to, you know, guide us through this um, this period. Uh, who... well, I mean, I keep, keep in mind, you know, we're only at the beginning of this curve. You know, right now, if you think that technology is powerful, you ain't seen nothing yet, as the song goes, right? 5G networks, quantum computing. Um, basically unlimited cloud space, uh, cheap devices. In 10 years, there's going to be almost uh, 9 billion people on the internet at 5G speed. Right? And mm -hmm. we're talking like, you know, on a, on a scale of 1 to 100, we're like a 2 or a 4. So, yeah. you know, that is also very hopeful for solving problems. But on the other hand, you know, if we're already having issues with people feeling dehumanized or disconnected from others because they fall in love with the screen, Mm. Or they think that, you know, having a marriage with a robot would be more practical than having a real person. If we already have these discussions now, you know, wait until 10 years from now. Do you feel that uh, it, 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 it's happening too quickly? Do you feel that, um, you know, our, let me put it another way, the, the rise in mental health problems um, Certainly in this country, I know a lot about because I, I, I know many people working in that sector. Uh, do you think that's got a, a, anything or something or a lot to do with technology and its uh, acceleration, especially in the in the year of the, the pandemic? It's everything's really gone online, hasn't it? Yeah, I think Marshall McLuhan, once a famous philosopher and media theorist, once said that uh, whenever we use technology as an extension of man, we also amputate something. Right? So as soon as we start using technology like the mobile phone or television, of course, then something else gets lost. Right? Mm. And sometimes we're, we're losing too many things because they're moving too quickly. But on the other hand, in terms of moving quickly, technology follows Moore's law, the law of networks, Metcalfe's law, uh, and many other laws, which basically means exponential leaps. Mm. Right? And when you're talking exponential, the first couple of steps of the curve you don't notice anything because you're doubling 0 0.01 and 0 0.02, 0 0.04 is nothing, right? But when you get to 4, 8, 16, you know, these are fundamental leaps at the knee of the curve. And we're now at the knee of the curve. We're taken off and even with the COVID crisis accelerated, 
and taken off at a, at a totally unprecedented speed. So in terms of being too much, you have seen nothing yet again. Mm. Because you know, basically the next 10 years will make us leap about three or 400x from today. Mm. So uploading your brain to the internet, as Elon Musk is suggesting with the neural lace, the neural link, yeah, that will not be impossible. The question is, do we want it? That is the real question. Mm. And the, I mean, the reason for me doing these the, uh, these shows, um, you know, uh, as I told you, it's about a, a really uh, long term project I've been working on for many years, which is a musical project in 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 you know in, for the most part and and film. But um, uh, I, I they're just that it just to me it feels this is just a very personal feeling about it all is that it's it becomes harder for me to uh connect in the way i like connecting to other people strangers a lot as well as you know because you you you've, you've been a musician and performing um I, particularly in the last year it's been hard because we're so much uh connected in the digital space but um but I, 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 I do worry uh, sometimes that it's just going to go on and on like that until we're spending less real, you know, together time and stuff like that. Do you have those worries or do you, do you, do you think that, that we'll find a way all the way round again and go full circle in some way? Well, I'm worried about that, but it's a little bit like worrying that if you invent the fire, then somebody could burn themselves with it, mm -hmm. you know? Uh, and, and the argument for not inventing the fire, of course, is kind of moot, you know. And, and, and basically what is happening, we are inventing everything around us in such a way that we can become like semi-gods, you know, becoming like God. Right? And I think it was a famous quote from E.O. Wilson that once said, the problem of humanity really is that we have uh, paleolithic emotions, we have medieval institutions, and the technology of gods, <laughs> you know, and that's really the problem. The, the problem is not the technology. It, the problem is because we're who was that? Technology. Who was that that said that? Sorry, E.O. Wilson. It's a it, famous author from like I don't know, fifty years ago. <laughs> oh wow! It's just really funny. I've interviewed a Buddhist monk in Thailand uh, for these for this series, and he said the same thing to me. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, this is actually very, it's a very uh, a Buddhist way of looking at the world. But, you know, essentially, I, I think that technology is such a gift to us. Imagine if we can defeat cancer or uh, yeah. solve, solve the water problem. Or mm. So should we not defeat cancer because, you know, maybe somebody would use the same technology to build a super soldier? Yeah, that's probably mm. not a very good argument. And, and, and nevertheless, we can't go back, you know. We, so what we need to do is to say, well, we're going to solve cancer. Uh, using this technology, but we're going to tightly regulate what else can be done. Yeah. And we're going to have agreements like we have a nuclear weapons. Yeah? And that's really what it comes down to. Out of interest, uh, are there are, are there a lot of, sort of regulation organizations? I don't know. So I'm, it's a genuine question. Are there many companies or organizations uh, uh, globally that are in charge of this kind of regulation? <laughs> well, you know, it, it's not all just regulation, but I'll answer the question in a second. But, you know, many things in our lives are not regulated by law. They're subject to social contracts, like, for example, the enormous power of alcohol or other drugs. You know, 
Uh, it is okay that in the evening you may drink a beer too much or so, but but you don't drink a bottle of brandy before you show up at work, you know. And that mm. is that's not regulated. You can, you know, you can buy brandy at seven a.m. if you want to. Mm. Um, but those are social contracts. And then we have uh, sort of regulation that's not necessarily a law. Like uh, it's just not cool to do, you know. And and then we have. A regulation that is laws or sort of uh, guidelines like financial regulations and stuff but yeah. the thing about regulation is we have many bodies who do this for example the European Commission is now regulating privacy laws and data protection uh, and you know regulation is everywhere in banking and oil and gas and you know and the thing is with, with technology we don't have regulation for example what Facebook is doing with our data is flat-out criminal in my view even though not legally criminal, but ethically criminal. That's why I left Facebook, you know, uh, doing stuff on Facebook or for Facebook as a speaker. I think you, you know, cut out years. a little bit then. Say, say that again. It's okay. We're just, it, it's fine. Yeah. I just cut out for well, a sec. If you take the example of Facebook, you know, Facebook is a great example for how technology can initially be great and then all of a sudden it's no longer because it's too powerful. Right? Mm. Uh, and Facebook has become unethical. So I've stopped using it. I stopped speaking for them three years ago, and I find them to be uh, a menace uh, to um, mm. to democracy. And, and also, uh, not to say that they don't have benefits, they do. But but this is the clear issue, right? When something becomes really powerful, we have to find a way to either socially or otherwise regulate it. Yeah. Um, Facebook, in, in, in terms of uh, its effect on our behavior, our, our human behavior, is the uh, the starting point for my, for my journey through all of this because of my own behavior. Uh, several years ago, um, I, I, you know, I really, really struggled and got into difficult places with it. Still do occasionally, but not like then. Um, and um, I, what what do you? What do you, It's clear that they don't. Uh, the people that run Facebook don't have a sort of um, you know they're trying to do something terrible to lots of people, uh, but it feels like they have, and it's mainly to do with just the way it runs, isn't it? That the, the organisation. It's a well. Well, I often say it's like an oil company. Okay. Shell or Exxon Mobil or any of those companies, it's not that they're set out at the board meeting and say, let's do as badly as we can to humanity. Yeah. yeah. You know, they said, oh, it's just a side effect that the world is dying and that should be taken care of by somebody else. And Facebook does exactly the same thing. Mm -hmm. They're making $165 million of profit every single day. So at their board meetings, or, you know, Mark meets with himself for the board meetings, mm -hmm. by the way. Um, it's not that he's sitting down and saying, I'm going to be very evil. He says, well, I'm making this much money and how can I make more money? And if there's a side effect, then let other people worry about it. Mm. And that, that just is a completely irresponsible, unethical approach, in my view. Let's talk about music, which, um, which and, and sound, not just music, but sound. Um, I, I'd just written a blog recently about... Um, the fact that there's no option to to post sound on Facebook, which has frustrated me since it began. Uh, there's no, you know, when you do a post, there's all these like 
share a gift, share yeah. an image, share a video, share this, share that. But there's no just record your voice thing, which I I just thought was crazy. So we uh, so I kind of look at Facebook's 17 or 18 years, whatever it is, as being this incredible what is it is it two and a half billion people worldwide using it now it's almost three billion now it's, it's almost three billion, billion. and that that in in all of that time there's never been an option really to just share sound which i just think it's sound is is the most uh beautiful and and um an individual it's like you know it's really individual every single person has a completely different voice and i just thought god that's what a missed opportunity for almost two decades how good do point, you yeah. feel about that because pardon good point you know i started in 1996 a company called uh, sonific and what we did is we did soundtracks for the web so we had a music player where you could uh, we called it sonify you could sonify your website and it turns out that people were doing that, like yoga salons and those kind of things, you know. <laughs> yeah. but, but, but generally speaking, people don't want to hear stuff when they go to a web page that starts by itself, uh, unlike, unless it's YouTube or so, you know, they, they would expect that. But yeah. uh, so the, the sound issue on the web is just now starting again. I'm convinced that very soon, because technology will be much more interactive, Mm. and not just on a web page or so, that we're going to have soundtracks for people's pages and, and messages mm. as soon as it's becoming possible. Yeah, I love that idea. It, it, it struck me as, I don't know, um, like you, probably kind of uh, a, a passionate student of like the second half of the 20th century and its music culture, you know. Um, I, I, the, the the Beatles onwards for me is just seems to be <laughs> I, the, the comfiest seat I've been in for most of my life, you know, and um, and it and it just I I can't believe that this that we've been in a silent technological uh, communication system. It's so silent, even to the point where where video, you know, when you go through a feed and you scroll through and see videos. Every single video is given subtitles, so there's no incentive. If you see a face talking, there's not a lot of incentive to press unmute. Unmute, you know, you can just just sort of read read the words. And I think I think many of us do. I know I have. Um, well, the, the technology yeah. is still not not really good enough for that. We're going to see better technology for this. For example, web pages will essentially become your own personal magazine. And you know, imagine that one day well, this is not far away, already happening, is that I'm not using a browser for a web page or an app. I'm just going to say to the wall, let's talk to Tim Arnold and up you come with the beauty of all your stuff and your video and, your, and I can just be like Tom Cruise in Minority Report and grab your soundtrack and put it over here. And, I thought you were you know. about to say that. Right. Yeah, so and, and, and this, is, this is definitely happening. I think it's going to be fantastic. For, I mean, the music industry, let's face it, is in a uh, coming up to a huge revival and boom phase mm -hmm. um, that as soon as we can get away from the monopolies of the record labels and the rights societies and yeah. we can find a better way forward where i mean the music industry is already booming now it's streaming right uh, and just wait until you know the good old uh, gatekeepers are going to be replaced by self-serve technology i think we're, we're yeah it's all going to be about building a brand. Mm. And, and I think the great thing about music is that music is going to be absolutely everywhere. 
and, and that that opens up, for example, the fact that people are producing music for films now. Like everybody is making film music now, right? Mm -hmm. Because there's so many more films there. Yeah, I mean, at the moment, and and there's there's a a, a lot of movement and and uh, or a movement. Uh, to fix streaming, um, which is being led by um, some some really amazing uh, people in in the music sector in the UK, uh, because of course the, the the remuneration for artists, musicians, just any music creator is 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 chaos. I mean, in the in the last year alone, I think Spotify did thirteen billion dollars in one month, but all the musicians are living on charity. You know, there were charities that have been funding musicians to stay alive and keep creating throughout the pandemic. So that I hope that's going to change as well. Because... But, you know, the, the problem with that is, is not necessarily Spotify. Uh, Spotify pays about 74 percent or even more, I think, and uh, of their revenues to the rights holders. Right. The, the, the problem is the completely broken music ecosystem. Mm. Uh, that if you are uh, with a record label, you will never guaranteed make any money unless you go to the very top. I had many record contracts. I had book publishing agreements. It's the same story. Right? Mm. Um, and that is only the very, very cream reaches a certain point to where you can negotiate for better, for better deals or you can make up your own Todd Rundgren like uh, internet ventures and those kind of things, right? Mm -hmm. But uh, you know, the bottom line is it's the ecosystem that's broken uh, and the recruitment process and all that stuff. And everybody knows it. It's it's not, you know, being an artist and being a musician has always been difficult. You know, from from the first get go. <laughs> yeah. And now we have better tools, and I think the likes of Spotify uh, could help us to fix it. But for example, the labels won't allow Spotify to sign up artists directly. Right? And why mm. is that? Well, because they're cartels, right? You know what cartels do? If you don't do the right thing, they come and break down your house. Right? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's, that's, that was very much part of the uh, DCMS hearing here in the, in, um, in the UK, uh, I think, at the beginning of this year. It, it very much the word cartels was used a lot. Um, this, is not, this is not new. It's just, I mean, I, I would say from the 15 years or so that I worked in the music business, uh, from 1995 to about 2010, it's the most dysfunctional industry that you can possibly imagine. Yeah, right? uh, it's, it's even I think even television and, 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 and movie making is more functional in terms of all of the provisions for protection of, of income and so is better than the music industry. Mm. Yeah, it's I've not re I've not worked in the I've worked around the music industry. <laughs> For the last fifteen years, yeah, uh, because of the kind the kind of projects I like working on, uh, I could I could get on with make them, or I could have a conversation with people in the music industry for many years. Right. Um, but I, mean, I think the lesson we can draw from music, you know, just to, to close that chapter here, mm. is that technology does not solve social, cultural, economic, human problems. It makes them worse, and technology of streaming <clears throat> and online music has made many problems of digital music worse <laughs> because we haven't solved the underlying problem, which mm. is the food chain of who does what and what kind of rights we have. Yeah, thank you for that. Yes, that's it's, that's uh, very, very true. Um, with data and data collection and the, the idea that um, data 
is kind of being colonized in the same way that, you know, actual physical real earth and land used to be colonized. There's two extremes there, isn't there? There's one extreme, which is uh, fear and, and uh, of I want to protect my data. And I don't want it to be, you know, somebody else to be in control of all my information. That's like one end. And then the other end of it is, well, everyone's always had ownership of our, you know, rights and to a degree. And what's the big deal? You know, I just, where do you stand on that? There's a lot of organizations talking about data at the moment. I'm interviewing a few people that have written a book about it on this show. Where, mm -hmm. What do you think about data collection and privacy? Well, in the beginning of the internet, it was a pretty clear cut deal. You know, we would share our data and have cookies in our browsers and all that kind of stuff in return for free content. Uh, and, and this is how it all got kicked off. But the technology was so bad uh, to, to dredge up or, or use our data that it was almost useless, except for cookies for advertising, which worked well. Everything mm -hmm. else didn't work well. But then all of a sudden, the processes were getting bigger, computing was getting smarter, artificial intelligence came in, and the cloud came up, and 4G and 5G. And before you know it, the little problem, which was the occasional abuse, became the standard. Mm. Right? So in my view, the problem is not that people ask for data. It is the fact that most companies are lying and abusing about how they use it. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and basically because they can. Right? I mean, Facebook's spying capacity is probably equal, if not bigger, than that of the NSA. In fact, this is probably why they're wow. collaborating heavily. It's the NSA. Is that uh, where uh, Snowden worked? Right, right. And yeah. Snowden, that was 2013. It has yeah. shown us what is possible. So it is crucial that we, when we go forward, we go away from this old internet model of saying, everything has to be free. In return, I give my data. My mm. data is worth, to Facebook and Google, uh, Google, by the way, $47 a year is what Google makes off the user data in, uh, in Western countries, $47. Right? Wow. Uh, so, so it's no wonder that the average Facebook employee makes $280,000 salary a year. Yeah? Because you know it's essentially a gold mine, and and so what we have to do there is what whatever worked in the beginning of the curve, you know, worked okay, and now we're at the takeoff point. It it no longer works. It's a broken logic. So mm -hmm. we need to make sure that we find uh, safeguard our identity, safeguard our digital rights, um, mm -hmm. make sure that tracking doesn't get carried away, uh, and the European Commission is doing that. Various governments are doing that. But imagine this, right? Imagine when all of your healthcare data, your DNA goes in the cloud, right? Mm. Because without that happening, we can't be effective at healing and preventing, uh, to put medicine in the cloud, right? Now imagine when all that stuff goes online, it's gonna be a thousand X of what's already out there about you, right? So if we don't solve this problem of control and of standards and digital identity, we're screwed, right? <laughs> I mean, and, and That's so quite a frightening what, view uh, of, <laughs> of of the future. Um, no, no, I think I think but, it's good because because data can help us to solve so many problems, yeah. like environmental control. But we need somebody else in a private company making up whatever they are comfortable with, you know. Uh, and that's like saying if you are you run a car company, you get to decide if you declare the diesel emissions or not, because you want to make two billion euros more. And mm -hmm. you know it's fine to lie. And, you know, I mean, 
look, here's the thing, you know, Facebook is very good at lying about these things and they're very good at monetizing it. Every time they get a major penalty, their stock goes up. Wow. Right? So it's like, okay, so as long as people keep buying that stock, it's like buying oil company stock, you know? You know it's destroying the world, but you're going to make money. And that mm -hmm. has to end. You know, we have to pull our money out from places that are destructive. Is the tech um, or digital revolution something that you see that a little bit like human beings, um, we get to a certain age and there are some very serious growing pains? Do you think of it like that, that actually we're just in this bit where it's, we're going to transition into something more functional, but it's going to hurt a bit and to quite a lot of us to get there? Well, that, that's true. I mean, the, the, the way the Internet was formed is not sustainable. The business model of the Internet has been, ever since there was a business on the Internet, has been tracking surveillance and manipulation and, yeah. and that hasn't worked for a long time but now it does right uh, because mm. you know we're finally we're getting it to work and and so to change that that's one thing uh, about the business model of the internet but but clearly uh, we're only at the very beginning and we have to really ask this question you know what do we want from all this technology mm. not what it, what it can do because the answer is it can do anything yeah. And what, what do we really want? I mean, I like the, uh, the sort of alcoholic, uh, obsessive smoker drug header that says too much of a good thing <laughs> is a very bad thing. Right? Mm -hmm. And it's not the thing that itself is bad, you know, whether you smoke or whatever you do, it's possibly not bad by itself, right? But when you do too much of it, obesity, 440 million people are in danger of dying from obesity. Right? There's more and more people are dying from obesity than hunger. Mm. Right? And, and that's the same problem with, uh, with technology. Like, you know, falling in love. It's oversaturation is what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, look, in China, they have this thing called Chow Eyes, which is a, a digital assistant that, that's built by Microsoft, but it's used by 650 million people. It's kids who pretend Chow Eyes to be their best friend. Right? And I would say, well, that's not that's no longer really a game that is uh, that is seriously contorting people's reality. Mm. And I think that's a, that's the part that um, when something sold as a product or a feature uh, it, it, and it's beguiling and it's sort of enchanting um, in many ways. Um, so when it when it happens in the real world, I mean, we get, you know, a wooden toy. We kind of get bored of it after a while, but with, with technology, it's very hard to get bored of something, uh, isn't it? Well, look, I mean, this is really the fundamental question. I mean, right now, 10 years from now, you can't say we can become like God, so to speak, if you want, like super superhuman right? mm -hmm. uh, using technology. I can live to be 150 if I change my genome, which will be possible. I can connect my brain to the Internet, which will be possible. If I'm very rich, I can do all of that and I mm. become, yeah. And so the question is, is that in principle a good idea? Or will that make us less human than now? Yeah. And what do we want? The question isn't what we can do. That question is closing because sooner or later, yeah, you want to learn how to play an instrument? You can download the program, right? Minority Report. I understand when you say that those things will be possible and uh, and I think it's 
I think it's great, you know, it's change and it's um, evolution of a sort. But I, I did work at Apple once uh, as a as a sort of creative specialist in London and um, mm -hmm. six months. And I know from working there that the, the rule of thumb with most uh, organizations or companies or corporations that are peddling uh, technologies that they never release anything to human beings uh, when it's properly ready. They release it before it's ready all the time. <laughs> so the stuff that you're talking about, um, there's a, it's exciting, but what's not exciting is that it's always in the hands of companies that um, find out afterwards what it did to us that wasn't helpful a lot of the well, time. Well, I mean, uh, but Apple makes a great example. You know, Apple has, in the last couple of years, gone very heavily on pitching privacy as a major reason to buy Apple. Yeah, I and, know. And, and, I, and Apple is the only company that I would believe they actually want it. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, yeah, yeah, you pay for privacy when you buy Apple. Basically. Absolutely, yeah. They're very good. Uh, very good in that in that regard yeah i, I think i probably you know, uh, tim cook said at a conference that i was at two years ago uh he said uh, technology can do great things but it does not want to do great things it doesn't want to do anything and, and this is something we have to remember mm. technology is a tool and i can use a hammer to kill somebody or i can build a house and the same goes for 5g or for ai or and if we want to do anything with technology, it's us that have to set the rules. Yeah. And that is that is where we're at right now. Mm. And do you think um, from the just from the perspective of the general public that we have we that the from your experience, because I know you, you give so many talks about this and you attend a lot of, uh, uh, you know, meetings about these subjects. Do you get a sense that just ordinary people who don't like me, actually, I don't really know that much about tech and how it works, um, that we're, we're in a good state of mind to uh, carry this responsibly towards a future do you, and safely, not responsibly. Um, what impression do you get? Or do you feel sometimes that everyone's kind of lost their minds? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're getting there. But of course, in the end, the responsibility for for guidelines and for policy on technology doesn't rest necessarily with you and me or with the average consumer. You know, mm. the average consumer says, I, I have to use Facebook because I meet my friends there, you know, or I have to use Facebook because my music is there. And when I stopped using Facebook, my traffic went down 74% on my website. Wow. Yeah. Right? And, and so it can't be my responsibility to fix Facebook as a private citizen. You know, this is a question of the, this, that's what we have governments for, right? Yeah. It is the role of government to protect the citizen from overzealous science, technology, and industry and commerce and mm. to create the balance. And that's the role of the government that we have. Yeah. Uh, and that is the role that we're going. Imagine, just, just imagine for a second, you know, there is a gen, gen, genomic fix uh, to aging, to longevity. And that people are there. Are lots of companies working on this. One of them is called Human Longevity Inc. in Palo Alto, California. Just the name should remind you of Blade Runner type scenarios. Yeah. Yeah. So Im imagine cool? if they are successful, right? What, can, what was it called, Gert? Sorry. Human Longevity Inc. H L I. Mm. It's a part of Genentech now, which is owned by Roche, you know, Swiss company. Um, 
But imagine if they succeed in saying using CRISPR-Cas9 genome editing technology uh, to interrupt the pro process of aging. And that would mean that a person that has five million dollars can live to be 150, provided they don't have an accident or something, and uh, you and me get to live to be 90. Uh, and then you would say, well, that's just a free market, right? No. Yes. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> right? It just isn't because, you know, th there is a difference between the free market saying my tires are more expensive than these tires uh, and fundamental human concerns. Oh my God. It's so interesting. You, it, it, um, you said the word balance before, and I, I really feel that balance is, uh, I don't know, it's what I'm looking for between uh, analog and digital, I suppose. Uh, I'm, you know, because of my, where, the world that I grew up in was completely analog until I, I got into my 20s. Um, can I just ask you, uh, it's just so amazing hearing uh, lots of new things I didn't know about, which I'm going to scrub through and listen back to these <laughs> to find out. Um, I, I thought there was already a Pandora's box that had opened. I think you've just, you've just ripped off the, the lid now. <laughs> um, for you personally, I'm really interested in what are the organic, natural, analog activities that, that, um, that, that you partake in that enable you to spend so much of your attention on uh, tech and, and digital? Well, I, I think that, you know, everybody has to find their own path there. But for me, it's, uh, it has always been about nature ah. uh, and, and music, of course, and doing sort of human things. You know? When you think about human things, you know, they, uh, the way that we're set up, you know, we're not really, we're not just data, you know, we're just not electronic processes you know we care about things like experiences you know an experience can change your life listening to a song can change your life sometimes right uh, and having an experience and engaging with others right in uh, relationships that's all kind of like what robots wouldn't know what to do with that right because it's it's not they are binary right they only have zeros and ones and we are multinary so what we need sometimes is the opposite. You know, we, we need the opposite of machines, which means no input. Right? No input means going to the woods right? or just sitting down and just working on your song or cooking a meal or, you know, something that's completely inefficient that, that a robot would call that inefficient. Right? Um, is inefficiency, so I, is inefficiency the thing that makes us human? That is one of the things, you know, all of the weird, all <laughs> yeah. of the weird stuff about us. For example, we have mysteries, right? The stuff that we don't want people to know. Uh, that's completely the, the opposite of any machine-based system. Mystery is bad. You know? mm -hmm. uh, we have serendipity. We have mistakes. We have deception. Uh, we have pretending. We have imagination. Uh, we have a whole bunch of things that are, yeah, and this is what we have to cultivate. If we don't cultivate that, we become machines. As I like to say, the biggest problem today is not that machines will take over. That could be a problem eventually, but is that we become too much like them. Mm. That is the ultimate thing that is happening today. We're becoming like the machines because mm. we're getting lazy. Yeah, I love I love that when you said imagination and um, serendipity. Uh, and it makes me think of dreams as well, of course. 
these parts of us that uh, that we 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 can't quite understand uh, where they come from and 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 what they do. Uh, and they, it, you're right. I think it is the opposite, isn't it, of technology? Well, I, I think the the important thing for us is that we protect this, and that's why I always say the more that we connect with technology, the more we must protect what makes us human. And that means, for example, saying, you know what, I'm, I'm not taking in any more information now. I'm, I'm cutting the connection. I have, to, I have to have the right to be offline. Mm. So what we do, you know, we go out for dinner, we leave the phones at home. We go out without the phone. And we make a point of not bringing the phone in the bedroom. Uh, because otherwise I'd be constantly fiddling with it. Uh, and I think at the point to where you can no longer exist, without being connected to the network. That point is rapidly approaching, like virtuality, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, imagine, imagine if that actually works, Microsoft HoloLens or Oculus Rift, and your composer, you can compose, you know, like Tom Cruise. Then you take this thing off, and you meet your kids and your wife, and you're like, oh God, it's so boring, you know? Because mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's just one dimensional then, right? Um, yeah, you can only imagine where that is going to lead to. Yeah, yeah. I I remember the first time I tried an Oculus, and then um, I was trying to build a pyramid, I think. And <laughs> and um, yes, it's more to do with the feeling when you come back, isn't it? <laughs> when I took but, it, but I you took know, right it now, right now, it doesn't really work. Now, this is kind of like uh, when you use voice control today, like you speak to your computer or your television, and you say. Uh, flip on hard talk, you know, first episode, minute 24, it probably won't understand because you're mumbling or something, right? Yeah. But but in a, in a few years, you can speak to a machine like I speak to you now, and the machine yeah. will speak, to, speak back to me in your voice, right? If you uh, want imagine, to speak to the machine. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah and, and this is going to be possible. So we have to really think about how far we want to go with this and mm -hmm. if it's going to be all for what I call the good future, or or let's say a good future financially is not the same than the good future as a human. Yeah. Well, Gert, I I love I could talk to you for hours um, about all of this, and and I've I've learned a lot, and um, and it 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 feels very balanced actually. What you've said, some of it terrifies me, <laughs> and <laughs> some of it excites me as well. Um, so yeah. Thank you so much. Uh, is there anything else that you wanted to add? Well, I've, I've, I'm talking about the the, um, the stuff that causes people to. Oh, you've cut out. You yeah, start again. again. Yeah, again, is there anything yeah. else that you wanted to add? Yeah, I think one thing I should like to add is that I kind of feel like you know we're heading towards a, a sort of human renaissance. Because we are at the point where we say, okay, technology is great, but I'm missing something here. Yeah? Uh, and this is what the, the COVID crisis has taught us. We can do anything we want online. We can meet thousands of new people. But what we're missing is a hug, you know, something really simple. Yeah? And so we're heading towards a, a human renaissance. So anybody in the creative business stands to profit from this trip back to human things and to humanity and which is coming um, as we are getting used to technology just as a simple tool but not as the purpose of life you know and so that is i think the future is going to be better than we think 
Mm. I think that's that's a lovely note to end on, and I'll just pick up on the on the on the magic word hug, uh, which uh, which I'll give you when I see you finally in whether it's right. in London or Zurich. Um, Gerd Leonard, thank you so much for coming. <laughs> You're welcome. We'll see you down the road. Live see long you and soon. prosper. Yeah. <laughs>